What's better than this? Guys being dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast, presented by Locked On. It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs from the Draft Network, and we are your hosts here on this Monday episode of the show. Draft Dudes is brought to you by Bilt Bar and Kyle. If there ever was a day to get an order in, it's today. They're giving you $5 off every box. They have new flavors today. Blueberry lemon. There is uh, peanut butter banana. There is pineapple upside down cake and coconut pecan pie. Limited flavors dropping today. Again, your first order, you can get $10 off with our promo code locked on over at BuiltBar.com. Kyle, welcome as I'm, I'm sure you're opening a Built Bar right now. That is the sound of the greatest start to your morning that you could ever possibly have, a.k.a. Built Bar wrapper being torn apart so I can oh no, dig into this wonderful raspberry chocolate cream goodness on the show. I'll sure. leave the rest for later. Yeah, I was, the, the chewing is going to be wonderful. Mm. For, for My God. <laughs> Well, I, I think we've had a podcast today. No, <laughs> that's it. Yeah, we'll talk to you guys tomorrow. See ya. Uh, all right. So, what are we doing here? This is we're going to talk about 2018 NFL draft breakout candidates. Correct. And this will, I guess, probably extend for the most part beyond the first round, right? Because we just went through fifth year options for. Uh, the 2018 first round, which those decisions will need to be made after this season. So, Joe, maybe uh, you could pound the table for Taven Bryant to have a big breakout year so he can actually get his fifth-year option exercised. I've already pounded that table, sir. Okay, very good. <laughs> All right, but I do have one that's um, that stands out to me here. Okay, let's start with that. What do you got for me? I want to talk about pick number 60 overall, Mr. James Washington. Dude was pretty quiet as a rookie, but he found his stride a little bit last year, Kyle. Um, how many yards did he have? I think he had over over 700, almost 800 yards, something like that. And uh, he had seven, 735 last year. Yeah, 735. Who knew, right? He had some big games down the stretch. Um, obviously, he was able to do this without Ben Roethlisberger. Guys like Mason Rudolph and uh, Doug Hodge is throwing in the football. I think Ben coming back with you know Deontay Johnson and the attention he's going to command as, an, as a route runner, Juju working back as a big slot, I think he's going to get his opportunities to really to really continue his ascension. So I think seven thirty five seven hundred thirty five yards. That's uh, forty four receptions, sixteen point seven yards per catch. I think that was a a good like step forward. But if Ben is back the way Ben was two three years ago, then you're going to see a lot of production in this Pittsburgh passing game. And I think James Washington that narrative will continue to turn because people were real down on him after his rookie season, which being down on a football player after one NFL season is pretty foolish to begin with. But I think James Washington starting to hit his stride, and, and I think he'll he'll continue that next year. Well, suddenly got used in a lot of the ways he's supposed to be used, right? Yards per target, 9.2. Yeah. That's pretty good. I mean, that's almost literally almost twice what his average was his rookie season. So I know Ben Roethlisberger didn't really help because he bagged on James a couple times <laughs> after games. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you, you'd love to see the catch percentage up. He was targeted 80 times. He had 44 catches, but uh, 
he can't always control the, the accuracy and the placement of those balls and, and what he was able to do with what he had. And I really like James Washington coming out of Oklahoma State. You know, that's a big home run hitting style player fitting in this kind of offense. And, you know, I think he's a great compliment. I, I think they've got a great group of receivers there that complement what they like to do offensively. And I would agree with you that he's a breakout candidate because Chase Claypool's raw, right? And that was mm-hmm. their first pick this year. And uh, they're, they're, it's not like there's so many mouths to feed in that passing game that James Washington cannot continue to thrive with several deeper patterns a game. And with Ben Roethlisberger back throwing you the ball, I'm in as long as there's not like some kind of chemistry issue between James Washington and Ben Roethlisberger. Right. Like what's not to like. All right. What do you got? You got one? What stands out to you, sir? I got a breakout candidate and it's not that this player hasn't been good already because he's been very good early on in his career. But this is the year he's going to get the respect he deserves based on his play. I'm talking about Fred Warner, the linebacker for San Francisco. This dude hasn't made a Pro Bowl, hasn't gotten any accolades, and all he's done is come in and play tremendous football. He's a good coverage option. He's all over the field. He is, in my opinion, one of the best, brightest young linebackers in the game. And nobody talks about Fred Warner. You know, it's like if you get on social media and like the football diehards, like the guys who like grind the the NFL tape consistently, they know who how good Fred Warner is and they know how impactful he is and how good he is where like he's baiting quarterbacks into throws on the second level, which like, most linebackers kind of have that frantic panic about them of just like, they got to close that window and like not get targeted. And and Warner is not that style. And he's just continued to blossom. Joe last year, he had 118 combined total tackles. 89 of those were solo tackles, seven tackles for loss, three sacks an interception that was returned for a touchdown, nine passes, defense, three forced fumbles. Like, if this isn't a Pro Bowl linebacker based on the production through his first two years, I don't know what is. All right, Kyle, the next guy I want to talk about here is Anthony Miller, wide receiver, Chicago Bears, their, their second-round pick this year. And I know you love you some Anthony Brand. Miller. He had some good tape there at uh, at Memphis. I think this is a year he really takes a major step forward. I know maybe pairing him with Mitch Trubisky isn't that inspiring for a lot of people to talk about, but – you know, Taylor Gabriel's no longer in this offense. And I think what Anthony Miller is able to do in terms of creating yards after the catch and, and his detail as a route runner to uncover quickly and make himself available and present himself to the quarterback, I think is going to make him a popular target for, you know, Mitch or if it's Nick Foles who gets time at quarterback this year. I think that uh, he's going to get some volume targets here to to go with you know, what they have in Allen Robinson and what they want to get going in the run game. But I think Anthony Miller is going to see a major in uptick in targets. He, he went from 54 to 85 uh, year one to year two. I think he's going to be well over 100 targets, and I think you're going to see his production start to boom. Man, wouldn't that be nice? 
there's such a sh- it seems like especially for receivers you know we, we you've talked about James Washington and Anthony Millermouth these guys that get like quick trigger but we routinely see wide receivers a position where guys typically don't just come in and ball out right mm-hmm. so that's the optimism for a guy like Anthony Miller is knowing that well he can he's in an offense that has an alpha receiver in Allen Robinson and they used Tariq Cohen offensively bad in the passing game with his like 5.5 yards per catch last year. So getting your talent, your young talent in year three, the opportunity to catch the ball more down the field and be more of a prominent figure from the slot. I'm hopeful this dude did have seven touchdowns as a rookie, which was cool. Now that's a good number to have. Yep. But, um, I think it's his yards after contact is an area where, you know, I'm kind of curious if he can make some more missed tackles happen where uh, he's only broken five tackles, Jill, in his career. His pro football reference credits him with five broken tackles, and he had 217 yards after, after the catch last year out of 600 yards. I think he's capable of more potency – creating missed tackles and creating yardage on his own than that. But if he's not, okay, then, yeah, we're going to have to crank up the volume on his targets if he's going to get the breakout year that we would both probably like to see from him, right? Yeah, I I get nervous that, like, so many times Yak is – it's important. It's it's an indicator of the receiver's ability, but also there's – you need some accurate passes to really get those opportunities to be led into space. So I think that – because – Anthony Miller was a really good yak guy in Memphis. You know, I I don't think he can do it. It's, you know, the targets aren't where they're supposed to be. It's going to make it challenging. So Ben wrote about Michael Gallup and suggested that Michael Gallup might be the best wide receiver from this year's class thus far. Would you agree with that assessment or not? I'm just, since we're talking about 2018 wide receivers, I'm kind of thinking about it. I don't think so. I think he's in the top three. Um, I really like what DJ Moore has been able to do with the Panthers. Um, you know, I mean, at his age and uh, the production he's been able to have, I mean, he's top 10 since 1999 for receivers uh, and yards before they turned 23 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been able to produce with very erratic quarterback play. Um, obviously, you know, only like 20 of his 100 and whatever targets last year came from Cam Newton. He's playing with Kyle Allen and Will Greer. Um, and, and, a, and, a, and a Cam Newton in, in his rookie year where Cam wasn't right that whole season. So I think with Teddy Bridgewater in Joe Brady's offense, you're going to see him put up some big-time numbers. I mean, his contested catch rate is really outstanding. His yards after catch is really outstanding. You know, they get him involved in creative ways, and that's only going to expand with Joe Brady. I think we're going to look back at this thing and, and think of DJ Moore as the best receiver from this class, but he's also like, I think he's been the best receiver in this class. Cortland Sutton was great last year. Calvin Ridley, I think will have big numbers this year with all the, you know, with Sanu out of that offense. But I don't know for me, it's been DJ Moore. I'm most impressed with. Can we appreciate the Panthers tight end room? It's Ian Thomas and Chris Mayhurst, right? Yeah. And Tamaric Hemingway and yeah. Colin Thompson and Giovanni Ricci and Cam Sutton. <laughs> the, Look, the, the Panthers clearly said we're not fixing everything right now, right? Because corner and yeah. tight end is just oh really. Oh, my goodness. 
and Ian Thomas has got some time, right? He's played a bit. And he's from this draft class as well, you know, but the, he's always been viewed as the guy to replace Greg Olson. But great. I mean, like Thomas hasn't done much. He's been a better, better blocker to this point. And I think like, if you think about Thad Moss at the LSU offense last year, I mean, that was Thad Moss, like, okay, we're going to block. And then, you know, very, you know, he'll make some, a few catches, but not a big part of the offense. And, you know, maybe they, you know, they're going to want a more dynamic guy in that spot, but you know, Thomas has been a better blocker to this point. If I had to point out a tight end breakout candidate from this year's 2018 class, uh, I would probably start with Hayden Hurst, first rounder, uh, because of you mentioned the some of the turnover in the Atlanta Falcons offense and, and Hurst getting traded out of Baltimore where he's pinned down as like tight end three, it might not really be all that bad, but he's just tight end three for, for how Baltimore's offense works and yeah. um, replacing Austin Hooper and, and his void in the passing game. And, you know, they, they're going to have to find replacement for the targets that Devonta Freeman had and Mohamed Sanu, like you mentioned, and Justin Hardy. So, like, a lot of, lot of lost targets in this Falcons passing offense. And this Falcons passing offense, Joe, Matt Ryan – plus the one game that Matt Shaw started, this offense threw for over 5,000 yards last year. So there's plenty of volume in the passing offense to go around and over 200 vacant targets that need to be replaced. So Hayden Hurst is a name that stands out as a potential breakout candidate based on his opportunity. Uh, but the other one that's an interesting tight end breakout candidate is fourth-round pick Chris Herndon with the New York Jets. Herndon was suspended the first four games of 2019 with a performance-enhancing drug policy violation. And then he played 18 snaps, and then he had a hamstring injury that ended his season, put him on IR. But his rookie year, he had over 500 receiving yards. And Sam Darnold, you know, when Herndon was out, had a nice affinity to throwing to tight end Ryan Griffin, who was a pretty prominent tight end before he got hurt. So I think Darnold likes his tight ends. Chris Hernan's coming back, has a chance to be healthy, already has a 500-yard season under his belt in the NFL. But it was 2018, so I think it's kind of slept on. So, um, And then you consider the wide receiver room. That's Jamison Crowder, Rashad Perryman, Denzel Mims, who's a rookie, really talented rookie, but nonetheless a rookie. Josh Doxson, Josh Malone, Braxton Berrios. Like, you don't have to throw to somebody. Right. Right. It, well, what, what type of numbers are you predicting there? Like for Herndon? Yeah. I mean, if all goes well, you could be talking between 600 and 700 yards. Yeah. I think that's reasonable production. And that'd be a nice little breakout, right? Because 700 yards would put you in the top eight tight ends in the 2019 season for receiving yardage production for tight ends. Kyle, what do you think about Ronald Jones next year? I mean, dreadful rookie year, but mm -hmm. he was a reasonable running back. I mean, 724 yards, 4.2 yards of carry, six touchdowns, caught 31 passes over, you know, well, 10 yards a catch. They drafted Keyshawn Vaughn. They've got Dari Ogumbwale. I mean, there's not a whole lot of competition here. I mean, is he going to be like the – the focal point here. I mean, I know like what type of year are you expecting from Rojo? Um, 
first and foremost, let's pour one out for Peyton Barber. <laughs> okay. So we had that big, big to do, right? About Barber's <laughs> per touch production, 250 plus touches in less than a thousand yards. It's only happened like three times, right? Yeah. His per touch pr- production average somehow got worse in 2019 than what it was in 2018. Did you know stop, that? Stop giving him the ball though, right? 3.4 yards per touch on 170 touches. Oh no. 3.1 yards per carry. And Rojo had 5.1 yards per touch, touch on two, 203 touches, over 1,000 right. yards from scrimmage. So that's a promising omen for Rojo. Yes. That if you're able to do that in the same environment that Peyton Barber is able to do what he's done now for two consecutive years of less than four yards per touch. And he, th- this man's had over 400 touches the last two years for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and is averaging like 3.3 yards per touch <laughs> in the last two years. That offensive line should be better too with Werfs at right tackle. And, you know, if it'll help. Yeah. Hag might be the right guard. We'll see Alex Kappa. He might, I mean, he was okay last year. He could take another step. Like should be a better offensive line. Give Rojo more chances. And I mean, Peyton Barber's not on this roster right now. So it's Keyshawn Vaughn and, and Dari Ungumbowale as the, as the backups. Yeah. So I think he's going to get a really good opportunity to, to kind of be the guy. Right. And that's exciting for Ronald Jones because he had really good tape at USC. Yeah. And then he, what, he pulled his hamstring on his 40 and ran four six and everybody lost their minds. And then he slid into the second and then he struggled so bad as a rookie. And, you know, it seemed like he really just struggled with acclimating to moving all the way across the country and having to be a professional football player, like as far away from home, as far away from home gets. Yeah. And, you know, that that's, you know, that human element for some of these players, I think, can be pretty easily looked over and glossed over because we expect them to just be you know, robots that just play football. You go on the field, you play, that's it, no questions asked. Well, you know, whatever Tampa Bay has been able to do and whatever Bruce Arians has been able to do with Ronald Jones is working because he's got some pretty promising production as far as you know, creating some chunk plays and being reliable in the passing game. I think Tom Brady will love him. You know, for as much as Bruce's ball, or Bruce's offense was to push the ball down the field, Tom Brady's has had this habit for 20 years of just constantly feeding running backs the ball in the passing game. Yeah. And Ronald Jones, I think, can be a primary beneficiary of that. And yeah. I don't think that's a bad thing for the Tampa Bay offense. Well, I, I think low-key Ogunbowale, man, he's fun. I don't know how big of a role he's going to have, but if they get three backs involved, he's got a chance. Here's a fun stat. Ronald Jones had 724 rushing yards. Yep. How many of those yards came before contact and how many came after contact? I hope it's good. Um, I'm guessing it's going to be around half, somewhere in the twos on both sides. 2-0 and 2-1. 1.8 yards before contact, 309 yards. 2.4 yards after contact, four, 415 yards after contact. I would say help the man out with a little bit more before contact. Yeah, let's, let's you know, you <laughs> said that offensive line gets a little better if that's the case. Yeah. And, you know, maybe he goes up to 200 carries this year. You could be looking at a 1,000, 
thousand yard season for Ronald Jones this year, plus yeah. whatever contributes in the passing game. I think that's perfectly reasonable. Yeah, I'm interested to see how the market share there goes. You know, mm-hmm. like, like how much do they want Vaughn to get involved? Like they they played both Barber and Jones last year with Bruce, so maybe he can do more with his touches. I I wonder how much how many more touches he gets if they if they get more guys involved. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, it's a good call. You know, I like his opportunity, and the more that we've talked about it just now. Oh, it seems like he's pretty well aligned here to make some noise. But you know, Joe, you mentioned Bilt Bar. And this Memorial Day sale is almost too good to be true. Can you refresh my memory? It's five dollars off every box, correct? Every box, five dollars off. Ooh-wee. And you got the four new flavors. So if not now, when? Promo code locked on can also save you $10 off your first box of Built Bar. And you can blend these two things together here on Memorial Day. So if you've been listening to us just beat the war drum about Built Bar over and over and over, and you've been hesitant to get on the ride, now is the time. Go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code locked on, save $10 off your first box. And today, only on Memorial Day, save an additional $5 on each box that you purchase with four new flavors. Sounds like a good deal to me. BuiltBart.com, promo code locked on, save yourself $10. Joe, I've got one more. All right. I got one more for you, but it's about Built Bar. Can I do that real quick? Oh, yeah. Let's let it rip. Not only the fabulous offers that we've already outlined today only as well, you get a free 30-count bag of the drink mix with every order. And oh, uh, we don't talk enough about the drink mix, but it is very delicious, very refreshing, and uh, you get a free 30-count bag of drink mixes uh, with every order today. So get over to BuiltBar.com. Sam Hubbard. Yes, I love Sam Hubbard, man. We've talked about Sam before, and this dude has 14 and a half sacks through two seasons, and really light bulbs coming on. He's been a consistent contributor for Cincinnati, and I think the Bengals fans will be pleased with a little bit of love for Sam Hubbard, right? He's been pretty pesty as far as pass rush goes, pass rush productivity and his pressures, not just like the sack numbers, which can be such a small part of the total sample size as a pass rusher. But let's also not sleep. Joe, this guy played 853 snaps last year. Mm-hmm. He became like a state. This is no longer like, oh, you know, exciting young rotational rookie defensive end from Ohio. No, this he was like a fixture on defense last year for the Bengals. And I teasingly said, uh, him beating up on the Dolphins should have an asterisk on some of these past production numbers, but that's not, you know, you look at the total body of work. There's no question. Sam Hubbard is one of the brighter young pass rushers from this 2018 class. Dude, um, dude plays hard. I've, I watched a good bit of Bengals football last year and I just was really impressed with like the, the juice he plays with on every single snap. Like it pops off the, off the film. So good call there. I'll give love for one more here. Okay. 
a little bit aggressive here, but I like it. Wyatt Teller, guard, Cleveland Browns. Uh, they traded for him end of camp last year. Got a chance to start some games, and he did as a rookie for the Bills. You know, like started a handful of games, got some more time with the Browns last year, kind of going into year three. I like I like his fit now with this team. Um, they'll they'll have a lot more zone stuff going, and he's going to be playing next to Jack Jack Conklin. And I don't think he's I don't think he's been in, in a situation where he's been able to play between you know two really good players, J.C. Treader at center, and then Jack Conklin at right tackle. I don't think that opportunity's been there for him to really be around two really solid football players. Not not at Buffalo. I mean, he had Dawkins on one side, but then. You know, the center was like Russell Bodine, you know, and now he, he's got good players around him. Uh, I think that obviously there's a lot of talent on this Browns offense, and I, and I, I like the angles and stuff that they're going to get him taking advantage of there uh, playing in, in Kevin Stefanski's offense. That's going to feature a lot of zone rushing. So um, I remember watching Teller at Virginia Tech, and, and so many times they got him out on the move and really, really in a way ran their, their run offense through him, it, it felt like at times, because they, they would just – Follow Wyatt Teller, you know where the ball is going to go. And I think he has that type of ability to move bodies and, and really take advantage of angles. But um, he's the guy that I think, you know, you like what's going on with this Browns offensive line. They drafted Jedrick Wills. Of course, Joel, Joel Batonio is a stud. J.C. Treader. They signed Jack Conklin. He's that wild card here. Now, he's got to win the job, right? Maybe Drew Forbes has a chance to to make some noise in that in that race. But I think he's got the upper hand, and, and I think with the with the quality that's been assembled, with the more stable coaching staff, I think Wyatt Teller is going to take off this year. Man, you know, I liked his tape so much. <laughs> it was right. so fun. So you went on this big rant for Wyatt Teller, and I was like, all right, like Joe's going to come in with a late-round guy. Maybe I'll go, like, seventh round and pick somebody out. <laughs> I got to tell you, there's not a lot of candidates. Like late-round <laughs> guys here? Yeah, I'm looking at the seventh round of this year's draft, and like it's a bunch of, you know, there's fullbacks and long snappers and quarterbacks that aren't in the league anymore already, and I guess Rock, Justin Jackson. Justin from Jackson stood out to me. Yeah, Auden yeah. Tate. Yeah, but like, what the? How is this dude not? Auden Tate should have had much more. He's played well for Cincinnati when he's had the chance. At, like in the preseason, like. I'm. I was expecting more from On Tate than what we got, yeah, and On Tate had 575 yards last year on 40 uh, catches. Pretty good for a seventh rounder in year two, right? Yeah, <laughs> I guess. I think uh-huh. they. I, I'm pretty sure his rookie year, he didn't make the 53 to start the year, and it right burned, it burned me. I got real mad because he should have. <laughs> I was like, dude, these posterizing guys in the preseason. So Auden Tate, Justin Jackson, also mentioned Zach Seiler, who uh, from Ferris State, small school guy. He got cut by Baltimore, Miami, picked him up, and they really liked him a lot. So those would be three names that I would mention as far as like could be reliable NFL players on a down-by-down basis in 2020. You know, Carolina's got a lot riding on this draft class. They need Dante Jackson to be a consistent player for them. Yeah, they, you know, I mean, do. he started started two years at outside corner, man, but he's given up a ton of plays. He's flashy. I, I almost like him more in the slot, even though he's not really played there. I think that'd be a better transition for him. 
obviously Rashawn Golden's already been a miss for them. DJ Moore, I think, has a chance to be like a staple for their offense for a long time. But mm-hmm. then if he, Ian Thomas, I mean, we kind of talked about him already. Like if he can be a meaningful player for this football team, you know, that would that would be very helpful for them. And Miami, too. I mean, Jerome Baker and Mike Gusecki can be two really key players for that football team. And, um, you know, I, I think – I think there's a lot – those guys getting better and, and you know, maybe taking a step into the next tier at their positions would be big for Miami. Yeah, and I thought both those guys played well last year. Um, obviously, Gasecki was the final nine games. He put up like 420 yards in the final nine games of the season. Freaking uh, Fitz just threw it to him, man. Yeah, right, and that's the key <laughs> is like you have to have – because he's never going for as, as well as he tested athletically. Yeah. He's not fluid in short spaces, so he's almost never going to be like breaking off big amounts of separation. So you're going to have to be a quarterback that's either pinpoint accurate or you're fearless to put it into tight man coverage because his catch radius, his length, and his ball skills are where he wins. And you saw Fitzpatrick kind of embrace that, say, all right, I'm just going to put it on top of the defender's helmet. Yeah. You run up the seam and go pluck that thing off the top <laughs> of his head. And he did. Yeah. So, like, that's the hope for Gasecki and taking the next step. And then I think having a, a pinpoint accurate passer like Tua will help him as well because he's not going to be afraid of the tight window throws because he typically has really good accuracy when he's you know able to to step into his throws. So Tampa's got a lot on this draft class too. Vita Vea, who's he's been solid, but can he become like a big time playmaker for them? Carlton Davis, starter, MJ Stewart, they need him to be no. something do, do something do something ronald jones starting running back alex kappa's chance to be their starting right guard so in jordan yeah. whitehead another guy in the mix of all their young secondary players so big draft for them big draft for all of you tomorrow too because you're gonna di- dictate what we're talking about on the show so no pressure but like the tampa bay buccaneers they're gonna need their past deeds to pay off in a big way if this team's going to meet the expectations tomorrow's show for takes on takes rides on you all you know performing now so that you can reap the benefits tomorrow so send your hot takes to at the joe marino or at grinding the tape with the hashtag takes on takes and we will talk with you all tomorrow Thank you so much for listening to the Draft Dudes Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this Memorial Day episode. That is going to do it for us.